0: baseball 365 podcast and here are your hosts justin hughes and andrew mcquiston welcome to episode 33 of the baseball 365 podcast i am justin hughes host of this show had a long break here but sorry about that but i was in chattanooga tennessee for a work conference two weeks ago planned on recording last week unfortunately life got real busy and wasn't able to get a free night to record but we're back and I'm ready to get rolling and finish up these division breakdowns with you guys tonight. And now let me introduce my co-host, Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how you doing, man?
1: Doing good. I uh, almost forgot what you sounded like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it has been a minute. I think I think the first thing I said whenever I called you on here was, oh my God, we're recording. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no. just, it's been a bit. And yeah. I think we said it there during the All-Star break, that last episode we did. We even recorded that before because I had to leave for the trip and put that last one up about four or five days after we recorded. So here we are. It's been almost two and a half weeks since we've been sitting here recording. I think that's the longest break we've had. Yeah, I think it is. Right around, yeah. Well, tonight we're going to talk to AL West, the final division We're going to finish this off and we're going to go break down each team. We'll probably do like we did with the last couple episodes where we're going to split this in half. So we try to keep it from getting too long for one episode. So on the first half, we're going to talk about the Astros and athletics, and then we're going to talk about the angels, Rangers and Mariners on the next episode. You ready to get started, Andrew? Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to start off and I'm just going to, Go down the standings here. The Houston Astros, surprise, surprise, are leading the division at 64-37. and 37. They have a six-and-a-half game lead over the Athletics, who are 57-43, having a solid season. The Angels have gotten real hot as of late, and they've taken third place in the division at 52-49, 12 games back. The Rangers are sliding the opposite direction. They're 50-49, 13 games back. And the Mariners... The team that got off to that really hot start in April and were running away with the division there the first 10 or 15 games are now 40 and 62, 24 and a half games back. Quite the season the Astros are having here, and Andrew, we know they are a loaded organization. So I went and looked some stuff up uh, before whenever I was doing the notes, and that the Astros last didn't win a division in 2016 that's when the Rangers were the AL West champs Houston won the division in 2017 and 2018. And they're definitely in the driver's seat this year. And when we discussed the Dodgers on the NL West episode, we both agreed that Houston and the Dodgers were the premier franchises in the MLB right now. So I didn't want to circle back to that question. Instead, I wanted to see how many years we think Houston wins that division in a row. So Andrew, Let's play the prediction game. What year does Houston not win the AL West ne- for the first time or next?
1: Uh, it's tough. I they're,
0: they're so good.
1: I mean, they're clearly better than everybody else in the division. Uh, I will say 2022. So I'm going to give them this year and the next two years. Um, and it could easily be longer, but I feel like when you start going that far into the future, it's just better to take the field as opposed to one team. But I, I mean, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, it it wouldn't shock me if they rattled off five, six in a row, but yeah, I'll say
0: 2022. I'm real close to you. My first instinct was 2023. So we're kind of both talking about another three years or so, and it's crazy. But that's just how good they are, and things can change. Things definitely can change, but even their minor league still seems pretty solid. They're just set up for success for a long time, it seems. But who knows? We'll, it'll be fun to watch and see exactly how long they hold on to this. They're The Angels still still have Mike Trout. A's seem to be playing good ball the last few years but I, I mean I don't see a clear team that I'm like okay I think this is a team that's going to be the one to overtake them right but that's what gonna I happen. that's what it's I, was, happen. I that, that's exactly what I was just gonna say I I don't know who it's
1: gonna be just you get too far into the future and you know wonky things can happen but yeah I, I think I'm pretty comfortable giving it to him for the next
0: two to three years yeah wander franco is going to lead the angels to be being the next division champions. <laughs> okay, let's get into the Astros here and we'll start off with Alex Bregman. When he came up, I really thought he was I was big on him. I thought he was going to be like a 25 to 28 home run bat and this is before the juice balls, so I was thinking with 10 steals and he was even better than that last year with 31 home runs and 10 stolen bases with an on-base percentage really close to 400. And this offseason, I was a tad uneasy about his draft slot and where he was going in drafts. But he's once again showing owners that he's an elite player. He was a top-10 dynasty guy going into like dynasty startup drafts before this year in rankings. My question for you, Andrew, has he made it into the top five?
1: I think for some people, yeah, I think some people would take him top five. I I think I'd probably have him
0: six or seven, but yeah,
1: he's right there.
0: Yeah. I think, I think for me, he's probably eight to nine, but yeah, he
1: could be eight. Yeah. It's tough. They're all close. It's like, take your guy. Like I've said a hundred times, but, um, yeah I think I remember seeing somebody say they would take him at like three or four, and I don't even have an argument like with that either i If that's your guy then he's fine i mean he's insane, so yeah, i have 20, no
0: prob I have no problem with him any time af- after the first couple of picks twenty six home runs and three hundred and fifty at bats that is absolutely insane for that little guy that'd be doing that, yeah, he's so good. Yeah. Well, there we go. So he's somewhere in the 5 to 10 range from both of us. That's what yeah. we're both saying here. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jose Altuve, we'll move on to him, and he's had some owners worried early in this season. I think he was hitting around 240 before he had that injury, and he had nine home runs and one stolen base in 39 games, and I should add, he was actually caught stealing two times during that stretch, so he was only one for three in stolen bases. And since returning from that injury, the average has been more in the 300 range with five home runs and two steals in 26 games. So now he's got three stolen bases in 65 games played. So I have two questions for you, and we'll start with the first one, which is who is Jose Altuve at this point here as midway through 2019? What kind of player is this guy?
1: Uh, I think... I mean, he's still a great hitter. I feel like the a lot of what was driving his value when he was Jose Altuve in capital letters was the steals. And I feel like I'm pretty confident that those are gone, or at least not to the level that they were. And that, I mean, that takes away a lot of the intrigue, you know, I, I still feel like he's a great hitter, but that changes everything with him because those steals drove a lot of his
0: value. Yeah. That was what people were banking on. Even the last few years as they were dipping a little bit, you were still getting something like, like last year, 13 home runs and 17 steals. And that was considered an off off year. And then before that, he was still in the 30 range for the previous couple of years. And that's the scary part. So That'll, I'll lead that into my next question, which is over under 10 steals at the end of the season. What's he at now? Three, Three in 65 games, and we've got about another got about 70 games six, left. Yeah, we've got about that many left.
1: Uh, under.
0: I'll say under. I think I'm with you. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: They just don't need to run. I mean,
0: they've
1: got 11 runs tonight. It's just they it's so easy for them to score runs that they don't have to do it. And with he's been banged up, you know, and I I just don't feel like they need to
0: be aggressive with it. I don't think he's going to be running that much. So let's say he finishes this year. We got 70 games left. He's got 14 home runs, three stolen bases. Let's say he plays 120 games or so and he hits 22 to 25 home runs in a partial season with seven seven stolen bases. Where where is this guy going in redrafts next year?
1: I have no idea. I, I really don't know. I mean,
0: there's going to still be people buy into the name but yeah. That's what I'm afraid of is I think he'll be being drafted off of name value as compared to more what he's doing now because he's still a good ball player and definitely somebody that should be oh, drafted yeah. in it really high. But without those steals, that really changes things for that guy. Yeah. It's, it's a
1: tough one though. Cause it's the lineup. So elite.
0: Yes. That
1: his counting stats can still be elite. You know, like he, it's, like i mentioned, he's he's still a great hitter. I feel like, and he's gonna have some power. The steals won't be there, and he's not gonna go where he's gone previously. But the runs and uh, the runs and ribbies—you know—the counting stats—they're they can still be there. So yeah, he's he's a tough one. I I definitely down on him from where he's been, but I feel like everyone is so. It could still be profitable. We'll just kind of see where he falls. It's it's hard for me to really say where I even think he's going to at this point.
0: It'll be an interesting one to see where he's going, and the, with the NFBC data, once we get to the yeah. off season, that'll be a real interesting one because I agree it could swing either way. If if people are hating him too, far, it could go too far, and then he's a value. We'll see. Yeah. Moving on, I really don't have much to add on George Springer guy's awesome underrated in fantasy by many guys four category stud and so, but i wanted to bring up Jordan alvarez he's another guy who we've talked a lot about but i do have one question Jordan's still prospect eligible andrew i know you've been thinking and playing around with looking at like prospect ranks where would you have him ranked right now on a prospect list
1: I would say two, three, four, somewhere in there. So a top
0: five guy for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, there's a few guys that are close that probably have ultimately higher ceilings, but it's really hard to ignore what he's doing right now just immediately as he comes up it's he's a man you know it's just yeah he's he's really high end i i like it when when these guys come up and i just want them to get off the prospect list like i don't like that they're still on him it's he's up he's not a prospect to me anymore like he's in the majors and he's not i don't know i just wish they were off pretty much immediately once they came up but it's It's, it's, it's almost like we know it yeah it's almost like it's an awkward thing to look at because you're you're looking at somebody like Jordan alvarez who's smashing baseballs in the majors against somebody like joe adele which is a total not only a totally different player but in double a probably has a higher ceiling but you know also hasn't hit major league pitching yet so it's Mm -hmm. it's just really weird I, i don't it's
0: hard to compare guys like that. Yeah, like Nate Lowe. I, I know it's already been mentioned on another podcast, so I'll say on Roto-Wire, uh, he's a, the number five overall prospect right now. And it's like, yep, ready to see that guy disappear. It's weird to see him up there and shoot yeah. up there now that he's up, and it'd be nice just to see him go. Yeah. <laughs> Bring the kid, you know, let's just talk about the kids that are not yet to make their debut. That's why I kind of did what I did a couple months ago whenever I wanted to talk prospects. I didn't really want to talk about the guys who've been up or were up. I wanted to talk about guys that we hadn't seen yet just because they're the ones that we're all interested in how they're going to do. Okay. Uh, Before we get to pitchers, Andrew, I saw that you shared a great statistic on baseball Three Sixty Five about the Astros and intentional walks. And I really wanted to hear, um, you to share that here. Would you mind doing so?
1: Yeah, I had heard it on. Um, it was another podcast. Not the number, but uh, they just they haven't issued an intentional walk all season. And uh, so I was, I just kind of looked up on my own how many there had been. And at the time, it was four hundred and sixty-four. Uh, It's probably more now, and they may have actually issued, you know, this was probably a week ago, Um, but I was listening to something, and they were just talking about how it's kind of a, like, they were talking about it might be a philosophical thing with their organization, you know, or something, and just how it was a crazy stat, and yeah, I just thought it was interesting, because a lot of, uh, there's a lot of them out there, you know, a lot of intentional walks, and they just haven't issued any. So,
0: you know, who I thought of immediately when I saw that stat was Keith Law, because I've heard Keith Law say on podcasts many times over the course of the last decade that unless the pitcher is on deck, he does not think a player should ever be intentionally walked. Just the stats don't line up with that being a good move. And I love that Houston's the organization that's making this choice to just not intentionally walk anybody right now. I think that's because they're. It seems like they're always ahead of the game, and I hope that this is something that other organizations follow. It drives me nuts when, since I'm a Cardinal fan, when I see a player get intentionally walked because they're hot, and the next guy comes up and it's two, and they're in a two-zero count, and now they've got pressure because they've got to, they got to throw strikes or they're about to walk a batter in. I, yeah. I, I love that Houston's doing that. Good for them.
1: I think it's I think it's different when it loads the bases. Like, when it's second and third, I think it's different. Because like you said, if you put a guy on and load the bases, then you have that pressure. But if it's not that, I don't know. I think there's some situation. I wouldn't say I'm as extreme as Keith Law on that, but. He's probably done more research on it than me. I just I feel like there are situations that warrant it, but Uh, he may have probably probably not
0: a lot of them. He may have said to load the bases. I can't remember for sure now that because it's been a little while, and now you got me wondering. But I specifically am talking about situations that load them up. I do feel differently, and I think I agree with you. If there's a runner on third and one out, and there's a slow-footed runner on deck, okay. Yeah, you yeah. can put a guy on, and you still have a little wiggle room if if you get in a bad count. You still got yeah. two batters to get somebody out or get a ground ball. I
1: just I just looked; they still haven't allowed one, so just that's did, awesome. If it was
0: updated, so all right. Well, let's get on to the pitching. And Justin Verlander is having another great season. But what I noticed when looking at his season stats is that he's getting squared up more often this year. He's allowed 1.85 home runs per nine innings, which is significantly up from 1.18 per nine last year. An opponent's hard hit rate is also significantly up. It's up 40% this year compared to only 29% last year. Should owners in Dynasty Leagues be taking these stats as warning signs, Andrew? Non-inner- I'm assuming non-owners are not noticing this. I sure hadn't before looking this stuff up last week. It could be. I mean there there will be
1: a day when Justin Verlander falls off. I I mean I don't Heck, think we that saw it's, that once before. Yeah, I don't think it's uh coming real soon, but yeah, there's been a there's been a few slip ups. He's give, he's giving up homers, you know, at a higher rate and stuff like that. But the the way I always feel with pitchers like that is Go ahead and give up the solo homers. If you don't put anybody on base, it it doesn't really matter. He <laughs> just strikes Agreed. everybody else out, it seems like. So I can live with solo homers, honestly, more than – they just don't bother me when I'm watching my pitcher. I'd rather that than full count, walk, single, five foul balls, you know, just – Stuff to run their pitch count. Yep I'd, I'd rather just quick solo homer and get on to the next guy. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter that much in the end. But, yeah, he's been giving up a few too many. He just luckily doesn't put enough guys on that it's shown up in the numbers yet. If he starts doing that, yeah, it'll, it'll start looking worse.
0: So, rest of the season. We'll just go with the two Astro Aces here. Who would you rather have, Verlander or Garrett Cole?
1: Uh, probably Garrett Cole.
0: I probably changed my tune on that a little bit, but it's, it's splitting hairs. They're both crazy. It is close. I agree. But I'm also with you. I think I'm going Cole and we'll just transition over to him. He felt like an obvious buy low target in redraft leagues two months ago when his ERA was up around four, the skills showed he had a lot of bad luck going on there. And sure enough. He had a sub-two ERA in June to lower his ERA to close to three. And his XFIP still shows that he should be better. It's at 2.57. And I think I said it before. I think he may be the number one dynasty starting pitcher right now. But it is close. And I think there's other options. But I think for me, he's number one.
1: Yeah, he's close for sure. There's a few guys and he's one of them.
0: Yeah, it's real close. I think you could really pick from a, bunch, a couple, quite a few different guys right there and take your pick. And We'll move on to Wade Miley. I sure didn't think we'd be talking about him at this point of the season, but he's been a solid three for the Astros, but it's been rough behind that. So, Andrew, the Astros have to go out and get at least one starting pitcher here as we're getting close to the trade deadline, don't they? Yeah, you would think, right? I mean, It's,
1: uh, it's pretty messy, man. I like, I, I'm not as high on them as I was earlier in the year. And that's the reason. And I know that, you know, in a short series in the playoffs, like they're clearly going to the playoffs, they clearly have a great team, but in a short series, you know, and in a short series, it's, it's Cole and Verlander, which is awesome. But there's really not much behind that. Like I, Wade Miley's been fine, and he could probably be okay as your three, I guess, in the playoffs. But I don't know. I just feel like they need a, a little more depth because God forbid—and I, I don't like bringing this up—but God forbid anything happens to Verlander or Cole, that team. Then they're—I just feel like they're kind of in trouble because mm-hmm. of, of the of the lack of depth, you know. Yeah, They just don't. They just don't. You know, Forrest Whitley's had a lost season. We'll get to him, but it's just, it's been rough. Like, they haven't had really anybody else work out too well. And here they are. I mean, I say that, and they're like 30 games <laughs> over 500.
0: So <laughs> it's. And I'll, I think their plan was the right plan going into this year. Have Cole Verlander, Miley, hopefully, as a four, and one of those kids emerges to get that take that third slot most likely Forrest Whitley it just didn't work out so now I think they have to react to that and go get somebody for this postseason I think Miley you said he's fine as a three but I think you would also agree that he would be I would feel a lot better if I was the Astros if he was that number four starter throwing one game in a seven game series yeah as compared to being a three yeah I totally agree with you there yeah and there are trade options out there and you know we are it's the 22nd so we've got 8 days left or 9 days in the before the trading deadline we'll be seeing there a lot of chips are going to get moved but i know the one i've heard a lot about is Matt Boyd that's the one i keep hearing them tied to and it seems like that would be a nice target for for them he would fit in perfectly as a number 3 on that roster
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's several options, probably. I kind of have my thoughts here once we get to Tucker, but
0: um, yeah, Boyd could be a possibility. And Tucker is the rumor because the Tigers, they've got the pit, some pitching prospects. They really could use some more bats in their system coming up. So Boyd, it it, it seems to make a lot of sense for both sides because Tucker seems like he could be expendable for the Astros. And I'm just gonna go into Tucker here. Um, he started off with a really incredibly rough April. we're moving into prospects here, talk by the way. And uh, but he's exploded since then. In ninety-one games this year, he now has a 272 batting average, three fifty-five on base percentage with twenty-five home runs and 21 stolen bases. This guy's been down for too long in the minors, and it seems like people are wondering why, especially with Jordan Alvarez making his debut and hitting well, but Tucker's been really good down there. And I heard Rich Wilson say on the Prospect 361 podcast, and Rich has a lot of ties inside, or he's got some ties inside the organization, the Astros. And one of the things he's heard that, is that Tucker? When he was up last year, he rubbed some of the Astros players the wrong way, and kind of makes sense. Is you know I've heard him talk about uh, Tucker seems to be a guy who's got a rep as someone who doesn't go out there and do the extra little things in terms of hustle that a lot of other rookies do to try to make it to the bigs, and I could see that being something that could really annoy the veterans. But recently they've been, they have also been playing him at first base in AAA. Getting him some work there, and Tyler White was just DFA'd, which means maybe they're trying to create a spot for him. So, moving into saying all that, now I'm going to go into my question here that I have for you, Andrew. True or false, the next Major League game Kyle Tucker plays is in an Astros uniform.
1: So, when you sent me this, I mean, it was probably about a week ago. And I remember, I I told you right away, I was like, that's a great question. My initial answer was false. That I think he goes to the Tigers in a trade for Matt Boyd. But I tell you what, it's really strange to me, and this has happened since that, that They played him at first base the other night. And it was only one game. But, you know, he started one. He has started one game at first base in the minors. That's it. I was kind of waiting to see. I actually was just looking and they DH'd him the last game that he played. But uh, when I heard that, my thought was they're not trading him. They're going to keep him and bring him up. Because why would Mm -hmm. they do that all of a sudden to trade him to the Tiger or to anyone, you know, not necessarily the Tigers, but so I don't really know. I'm not as confident as I was uh, a week or so ago. I do think that him, I feel like that they're a little down on him. It's just weird. You know, he's having a ridiculous season. He's been a high prospect for what feels like almost forever now. It's just getting... To the point, it's like, we need to see this guy in the major leagues, and we're not seeing him. And I just, I feel like they're down on him. I don't know. I I definitely could see him going to Detroit. I could see him going elsewhere, but it just really is weird to me that they they played him at first base. If they keep doing that, I feel like they're going to keep him. But maybe that was just one day thing where somebody was sitting out or something, and they just needed somebody over there. I don't know. I,
0: you know, but yeah, it's, that was strange to me. It's hard to believe they'd do that just because of an emergency for somebody missing a game. Right. Sticking him in there. He'd be like, he'd stick somebody else over there if that was the case. It's, there's something going on there. They, they're definitely tinkering and checking. And who knows? Maybe he was absolutely terrible at first base that game. I didn't hear any reports saying that, but. Maybe they saw him play there and was like, "Uh, yeah, maybe not. And that's why he hasn't since. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and then they they DFA'd White, and Mm -hmm. Logic just tells you he's coming up, but he hasn't yet. I don't know. I just feel like they hate him. (laughs) They just (laughs) just won't. Yeah, I mean, I get that they're stacked, and, you know, there's no room at the inn or whatever you want to call it, but it's, I still feel like he should be up and he can help the team. And if not, or if they're, you know, not wanting to do that, they should move him for pitching.
0: Yes. It doesn't
1: have, it doesn't have to be Matt Boyd. It just, that one kind of makes sense to me, but, um, and I feel like it's, it would be a pretty good one for both sides. Too. Yes. If they, if, if that type of trade, you know, I, I feel like that that's, pretty close. Yep. So, but yeah, it may not be that. I just, that's the one I keep picturing, but uh, they might not trade him at all. I, I really don't know. I just, I just think it's strange that he's just still sitting in the minors and Boyd weird.
0: still has three years of arbitration under him. It yeah. just makes a lot of sense. If you're going to trade a star prospect like Kyle Tucker and you're down on him, that's the perfect deal for that reason. Can, yeah, yeah, and I know,
1: I know people have said too that you know the Tigers can have Boyd for the next few years and all this stuff, and that is right and you know perfectly fine. And Boyd's pitching like a stud, but the one thing is, and we all kind of know this: like Mad Boyd might not be pitching like this next year, mm-hmm. or or in two years, you know. It, he is the perfect type of guy to me for them to just move
0: Yep. while, he, while he's
1: awesome. Yeah. He's, what is he? 28. Yes. And again, not that that's old, but you know, you're and he, he could stick for a couple of years doing what he's doing. I mean, but, uh, it's not like he's some 23 year old with crazy pedigree. That's a future ace. You know, he's having a breakout season in his late twenties and it may or may not, continue into the next two to three years. I feel like that's as much on the fence as Tucker becoming a good or great MLB player is. So I guess that's kind of why I think it's fair. You
0: know, it's good for both sides. Yeah. You can cash out now and you can get yourself a top prospect. Then yeah, you do that. Okay. Well, next up, we're going to talk Forrest Whitley and we mentioned him before. He,
1: real quick you got one else? other thing one other thing i just want to say quick on tucker i feel like when he comes up whether it's on houston or on another team he needs to be good pretty yeah. quick because if he's not and i'm talking more of a fantasy angle with this not like necessarily real life if Kyle T- and dynasty more so too, but if Kyle Tucker comes up now after all this, you know, and it, like I said, it just seems like it's been forever. If he comes up and he's not good pretty quickly, I feel like, I feel like his value is going to take a hit, man. I really do. Like he's gotta be, he's gotta be good quickly once he comes up. He, Cause he's fine right now. He's still a high, high ranked prospect and, Everyone still thinks pretty highly of him, but I feel like that time is close to expiring if he doesn't get to the major leagues and be pretty good right away. So yeah, just, some, just something to keep in mind if you own him. I actually own him in one league, and it's been running through my head quite a bit.
0: I was more worried before the year than I am now, just because he's been so dang good at AAA this yeah. year. I can't help but wonder. I, I I'm feeling more confident that he's going to hit, but I do completely agree with what you said. He's got to hit right off. If he came up and had another 30, 40 game stretch like he did last year, like with those type of numbers. Yeah. His value is going to sink. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So now we'll talk Forrest Whitley and he has had a n- disaster of a season in AAA and now it's being said he has shoulder issues his stock's pretty far down from where it was before the season. So Andrew, is this a guy you'd be more scared off of because of the shoulder injury or do you think this is more of a buying opportunity?
1: I mean, I guess it just depends on the price, but it's he's just not a guy that I'm going to I would be going after, really. I just I just wouldn't. There's other people that are gonna want him more than me and I'm not gonna give up what it takes to get him, most likely. I'll just let it somebody else deal with it, you know, until he's producing in the majors. I, I'd rather with guys like this, I'd rather wait for them to get out of the problems that they're in and pay more than pay a little bit less and have it be an ongoing issue.
0: I just... Yeah, his stock's definitely down. I think I agree with you in terms of I, I like with pitchers seeing them actually doing it and paying more. And I don't think... But I also will say that I would buy him, just not yet. I think if the things, problems keep happening, his stock could keep dropping, and maybe then is the time to get in there? He's a guy oh, who's so lanky, lanky he could... get get himself right and still be struggling and yeah we kind of saw that with tyler glass now i think you've am am i right that you've made that comp before in terms of lanky guy who could Um, struggle for a little while i don't think it was me but i mean i
1: i I don't necessarily disagree with it i just i don't think i was the one that said it
0: i don't i don't remember if it was you or not but i heard somebody
1: i guess
0: somebody say that about a year ago Thinking when he came up, he was going to be a one of those guys that could have glass now type struggles because he's so such a long limbed guy who yeah. it's hard to repeat that delivery. And I think if his if his value kept sinking, I, I think I would be jumping in then. But yeah, I think I'd rather wait and see him start looking like he's coming out of it and have to pay more of a premium for him because the upside's there. I mean, he, he's he got the upside to be the best pitcher in baseball. I think you and I both agree on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got yeah. really high upside. But it's, uh,
1: it's one of those things that I'd be more likely to sell him if I had him probably than trade for him. I just mm-hmm. – that's just me with guys like this. Guys that have a lot of value, which he does, that are pitchers that a lot of people want.
0: Yeah, that's just my style more. But. I'm going to throw one at you here um, because I want to see exactly what kind of ballpark you have him ranked. And I'm going to bring up a guy I know you'd like that's a prospect in the minor leagues. If you had forced Whitley and someone offered you Jorge Mateo, you accepting it? No. No, I'd keep Whitley. Okay. So he hasn't dropped to that point. So you're right. That means you probably have him in the – uh, let me guess, like the twenty twenty five range, just offhand, maybe.
1: Yeah, off the off the top of my head, I've I've looked at a lot of rankings lately. He'd probably be in the twenty to thirty range for me. Okay. Which I think is a little lower than a lot of people have him, but you know, of course, he could he could move back up. It's just. I just have a little bit of an eyebrow raised as all. Yep, it's still really good. I mean, a top thirty prospect is still really good, you know. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: That's why I wanted to throw one in there. I wanted to see exactly how far I could go down before you'd be like, No, I'm hanging Whitley, hanging on to Whitley. Yeah. Okay. Well, Whitley, Kyle Tucker, Jordan, clear top three Astros prospects. But my last prospect question I have for you is, who would you have ranked fourth? We've got a few options here. I know Abraham Toro, he's a name who's kind of trendy. Fredis Nova, Miles Straw, Seth Beer, or somebody else. Who would you have as their fourth?
1: There's, no, there's nobody that's clear. I probably... Probably Seth Beer, but I'd probably trade him. I don't really like those types, but he can hit. So, yeah, it's a big
0: drop off after the top three. I agree, it is a big drop off, and I agree that it's Seth Beer. He's having a pretty good season down there. He's up in Double A now, but he's also a guy who's a DH only, who's on a team that already has a TH only. So there could definitely be a logjam for that guy. And yeah. he's still has ahead. Okay. Now we got the Oakland A's to talk about. And I have to say, uh, of all the good teams, they're the team I feel like I pay the least amount of attention to. I have little or no shares to any of their players right now. They're a West Coast team, so I'm watching them less as I go to sleep before a lot of their games are even halfway over. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this organization as a whole right now?
1: Uh, they're, I mean, they're in mostly good shape. They're right there, you know, competing. Good team. I mean, I, I feel like they're good. I feel like stock is pretty neutral. I mean, they were they were good last year too. So, they're just in a division with one of the top two or three teams in baseball,
0: so it makes it tough. It's still weird to me with this team, because I'm just used to the A's from 15 years ago and where they were had a lot of pitching and then just were scratching together a lineup. And it's the exact yeah. opposite right now. They're scratching together a rotation, and they've got a really good lineup. It's just yeah. weird to, for Oakland to be that team. Yeah, like, definitely only thing weirder, I think, would be a Colorado Rockies pitching staff in a <laughs> scratchy little lineup. Yeah. Okay. Well, Chris Davis, he's a 233 batting average right now. Over, under, or dead on 247 batting average at the end of the season? Well,
1: <laughs> you know I got to take dead on.
0: That is the right answer. <laughs> Everybody in baseball should be cheering for Chris Davis to get hot over these last 60 games and finish with a 247 batting average. That's what we want. That'd be (laughs) great. God. It's crazy. What is it? Four years in a row? I didn't actually write it down. I I think it's four, yeah. Pretty sure. Looking right now, 247 in 2015, 16, 17, and 18. So, yes. That's one of the best stats of all time. Honestly, that is just too funny. We'll never see this again. We'll never yeah. see two, four seasons in a row of the exact same batting average. Just isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So how about what Matt Olson's done since returning from that broken handmade bone on May 7th? That's when he returned. 20 home runs and 67 games of baseball since returning. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I really like Olsen. I got him on a couple teams and I've always been a fan. Even when he was a prospect, I was interested and in, he's just been he's been so good. I mean, his power is just ridiculous. Like he's just I feel like he has league leading power upside. Like home run league leading home run upside. He's he's not gonna lead the league this year. But, man, he's just, yeah, he's,
0: at what he does, he's, he's so good. He's very impressive. He's a power first baseman, just like the, we don't have as many guys like that, I think, now where they're just like the prototypical power first baseman that's going to hit 260 and 40 plus homers. We got a lot of guys that can hit 30, but I don't think we got as many like him. It's more, yeah, it's nice. He's, he's a fun yeah, it's, kind of throwback. I think I feel like,
1: so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the guys are hitting for power now, you know, a lot of them, but his power to me is like another level that yep. some of the guys that are popping up and hitting for power, they're just not going to touch his because his is elite.
0: So I got some guys here for a dynasty him or him game on Olsen. There are a couple different ages on here, but I tried to get it at least somewhat around them. Uh, Matt Olsen or Anthony Rizzo?
1: The only thing with that is what is, how old is Olsen? Do you have it in front of you? I will in a matter of seconds. Twenty-five
0: twenty five. So he's six years younger than Rizzo, if I recall right. Rizzo's thirty one, right? No, no, I think
1: Rizzo's Rizzo's twenty-nine. I think he's about oh, wow. he's about to, You're right. he's about to yeah. turn thirty. Correct. Um It's close. It's really close. Probably Rizzo, but by the thinnest of margins. It's very close.
0: So those guys are right next to each other. So um Josh Bell. Having a fantastic season. Probably Bell. Yeah.
1: I think I'd- I think you can definitely get more for Bell. So but based on what they probably would cost, I'd I'd probably rather have Olson. Yeah. Just because I think he's significantly cheaper than Bell oh. at this point, and I probably don't think the gap is as much as a lot of people do.
0: What about Lucas Void? That clear is that Olson? Olson, yeah. And Max Muncie, Olson, yeah. Okay, that's about right. So right around Rizzo, yeah, just under Bell.
1: Yeah, he's think, in that range. Like I said, I, I think his power is up there with the best of them. I mean, it's really, uh, really big-time
0: power. So Everyone's hitting more home runs this year, Andrew, and that includes Matt Chapman. He hit 24 home runs in 145 games last year, and this year we're at 97 games played, and he has 22 home runs already. But I will add, as I was looking into him, that – his skills are improving slightly. The strikeouts are down a few percentage points. Walks are up a few percentage points. Hard hit rate is up a bit. It seems like he's really approving. And while Aaron Otto seems to be in a world of his own on third baseman, but is Chapman firmly in that second tier now? Like as around Bryant, Devers, and Anthony Rendon. Does, is that around where he belongs? I think he's below those guys, but... Yeah, like the bottom end of that group. Okay. So I I do think of those next three as still elite guys. So you're kind of saying he's probably just underneath those but still above the rest. Right around
1: right, right around. Yeah, I I've uh I've changed my opinion a good amount on Chapman this year. Yeah. I like him more than I did coming into the season. I mean, his, his defense is just so elite that he's a third baseman for the next decade. You know, I just, and he's hitting, he's hitting for power. He gets on base. I mean, he, he's a machine. I mean, it's not quite at the level. I don't think is those guys you named, but it could be in a given year. And uh, I mean, if, if we looked up a year from now and he was the best of that group, I wouldn't be that shocked. But no. for now, I, for now, I would put him below those
0: guys. Okay,
1: not far below, but below.
0: Just, just under. I can, I can yeah. get on board with that. Yeah. You know, we both, or I shouldn't say we both. I know I really like Jerks and Profar coming into this year, and his struggles have really been pretty it's it's been a tough year for him I'll just say it that way and he's hitting 214 with a sub 280 on base percentage this year and the A's ended up calling up Franklin Barreto to get some starts for the team at second base and they said that they were gonna play him regularly and put Profar into a super utility role but Barreto once again was pretty bad in that brief stint and Profar got a couple starts and got hot and now he's drawing the majority of the starts again do you think who do you think gets more starts the rest of the way? Profar, Beretta, or somebody else?
1: I think it's just a hot hand type of thing. I I actually haven't looked that close at this over the last week, and if I had I I could probably give a better answer, but I would probably guess Profar, but it's
0: quite a bit of a guess. I don't feel that confident. He's been getting more of the starts over the course of the last week. I, just I noticed th- they
1: both they both started tonight, but oh, did they? I th- yeah, second and short. I think Simeon. Um. Oh no, I take that back. Barreto came in for Simeon, so okay. I don't know if anything happened there, but
0: um, yeah, Profar started at second, played the whole game, so. I think it's Profar, and I feel more confident in Profar being the one to deliver of the two of them. Profar's had a lot of bad luck, but he just puts the ball in play a lot better than Barreto does. And that's where I keep being frustrated with him as a dynasty owner in two leagues. He's hit re- he's had a great season in AAA, but still, yeah. once again, striking out too much in the bigs. He's got to get that under control. And I think he could eventually still do it, but he's got to do it at some point
1: yeah, those PCL numbers with guys like Barreto, it's almost, I feel like you can't even look at them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. I mean, the one mistake to not make is to be looking at guys in the PCL that aren't, uh, like elite prospects, you know, like Kyle Tucker or something is, is maybe different, but some of these guys that just had are having huge years there. It's not only a juiced ball, but out there, those parks, it's like every park is Coors Field and the numbers are just so inflated. It's yeah, yeah. it's, it's just, you can't really even look at them.
0: It's to like, get up to the major 12 home runs, 13 steals in 73 games. And all that I've, I've really taken as a grain of salt. The one thing I liked seeing this year was that he was walking more. It's the yeah. most best he was really walked throughout the minor leagues, but yeah, it's yeah, and'
1: that's a could, good thing to that's a good thing to look at is yeah. walk you know how much a guy's walking or striking out, but just raw numbers, you know, homers and power, OPS,
0: <laughs> stuff like that, it's just so inflated. Nick Madrigal would hit 10 home runs out there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. D D Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) Even better example. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk pitching. And as I said earlier, this rotation sure makes me just shake my head. This team's in a playoff race and they've got a rotation of Chris Bassett, Mike fires, Brett Anderson, Daniel Mingden and Tanner Anderson as their rotation. This sure isn't Homer, the early two thousands. Homer, ba- Homer Bailey too now. Oh yeah, they just traded for him. So they yeah. added another superstar to the list. And yeah, gave gave up nine earned tonight. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. This sure isn't the early two thousands with Hudson Mulder and Zito, is it?
1: No. <laughs> no, not uh. Yeah, it's bad. Like how who starts game one for this team?
0: Like, <laughs> A like if they game. get
1: or like if they get to the they're obviously not gonna they would be a wild card if they got in, but I I mean is it it's
0: Mike fires probably, right? It might be a rotate it's it may be a bullpen game. Yeah, well yeah, it probably would be. Which I they, it probably would be anyways, you'd have fires for two innings. Well, what I think they
1: would probably do is start fires. Maybe they'd do a bullpen game if they didn't they, I think they'd start fires and the first sign of downhill they take him out. I'm um, you know, even if it's the second
0: inning or whatever. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah, it's just uh just crazy to think about. It's pretty bad. You know, I know you and I both had shares of Bassett early this year, Chris Bassett, and he was pitching really well and he's been okay since, but not great the last month or two, really. Um as, are any of these pitchers anything more than streamer options? No, no. I still have, I think, one
1: redraft share of Bassett. He's been all right up and down. He's probably like this, been the second best pitcher on the team with fires. It's No, nah, none of them are more than streamers. There's no, there's no game with any of these guys where I feel great
0: about them. You know, just streamers. Yep. Okay. Well, we got prospects to talk about with the A's, and they've got a f- few candidates to be the number one prospect on this team: uh, Jorge Mateo, Jesus Lizardo, AJ Puck, and then they have that new international signing, Poson But who, to you, do you think right now is your number one prospect on the A's or in the A's organization? Lazardo. So he's still holding that spot right now. Yeah. Yeah, it'd still be Lazardo for me. I think I saw somewhere that he was back throwing, but a, a week ago. And he got shut yeah. down again when he was just about to look like he was about to come back there right before the All-Star break. And unfortunately, had more issues and was shut down again. Yeah, I've definitely
1: got him. I've definitely got him lower
0: than I've had him before the
1: season or would have had him, you know, but uh, yeah, I'd still rather have him than the other guys that you named. Maybe not by a ton, but enough that I can comfortably say it's him for now.
0: It sucks. I remember in March, Susan at whatever her name is, she's a beat reporter for the A's and she was talking about Lizardo that uh, in March and you know I follow him closely. I've got a dynasty share, and um, she was talking about how she had not seen a prospect pitcher come up through the A's organization like him. It's like gushing about how special he looked. It seemed like he was. Go- I really thought that he was going to be the breakout minor league pitcher, more prospect pitcher this year in the bigs. Unfortunately, it just hasn't happened. And he still might. He could be up in August and have a nice little finish, but man, it's been disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the
1: millionth reason to not invest in prospect pitchers too much, but I think we've kind of beat that horse. Um, uh, mm-hmm. puck. I do. I do like puck too. He just got bumped up. I think to triple a,
0: I think you're right.
1: Um, I do like him, and I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ends up better than Lazardo. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So, but yeah, those guys are all,
0: or especially those two, I guess they're they're close. Puck, I think I think it's pretty safe to say I I feel confident saying that he's got the highest upside of the two of them. But Lazardo feels like the much safer pick in terms of performance, if you take health out of the equation. Yeah, I don't I
1: don't really think he's safer, but I, I just think safer with pitchers, especially when you're talking about an injured one, is it's just not even that's why worth mentioning the injury you know.
0: part as compared to performance. Yeah. I feel more confident if Lozardo's healthy that he's performing. But yes, I agree yeah, that it's, safe yeah. is a bad word to use. And then there's Mateo. He's had a much better season this year. I know you and I have talked about him a lot this year i think i'm a li- not quite as high on him as you are but he's been pretty impressive in terms of um 293 batting average there and and 25 stolen bases in 131 games that's speed's a hard thing to find and he's having a pretty good year did i say 25 yeah. 18 steals i misread that
1: yeah i've uh He's always been really intriguing to me. I, I I mean, he's not got the most polished hit tool in the world. I think we all know that. But, um, yeah, it's just you know, everybody needs speed, and he's just one of those guys. If If he's ever able to get into a major league lineup and consistently hit enough to stick, I just he's going to have fantasy value and potentially a lot of it because of his speed. So that's why he's always intrigued me. If he didn't have the speed, I wouldn't have any interest in him, Zero. But you know, that's, it's tough to find these days. I tell you, it really is.
0: I I kind of go with him the way his value is. And before this season, I, I took him in like the 48th, 49th or 50th round or something like that. in that, startup dynasty it was near the end of the draft and i'm like okay he's been out here too long so i took him but i also don't know if i'm quite as high on him as most others are i mean i've seen him up in the 30s and 40s on prospect lists and i don't know i still worry about that hit tool and this stolen base success rate is never has not up there as high as i'd like for it to be but i won't also discount the fact that if he puts it together, he could be a he could be Trey Turner. He's got that type of he, upside. He's
1: another guy that just needs to, just needs to get up to the majors though. Yeah. He's twenty he's twenty. he's twenty-four years old.
0: Like my, it is time. You know? Yep. It's just I took, it's, I took him in the startup dynasty, my very first one in twenty sixteen. <laughs> So we're talking yeah. three and a half years ago, and I don't think he was in rookie ball. I think he was in low A and was a top thirty prospect on lists at that time. So yeah, it's it's time to give the kid a shot. Let's just throw him yeah, in there and see what he can do. He's been at double A
1: or higher. I mean, he's at triple A now, but he was at double A for about half of two thousand seventeen. And then he was at triple a for all of last year and all of this year, which granted a lot of the reason (laughs) last year was because he he wasn't hitting, but yeah, I just from a fantasy perspective, I'd just like to see what he can do in the majors because of the speed angle to it, you know, but I don't know if, you know, Oakland, like we said, they're a pretty good team. So, the opportunity it could be tough to get in there
0: i don't know yeah he almost needs to be traded i think they've got enough middle infielders him or Beretta, one of the two needs to get moved in my opinion it just they've got too many of those type of guys and they seem happy with the ones they have to where these kids i think i think need moved they could for a pitcher yeah
1: right i i think if it was me i'd I'd trade Barreto and take the shot on Mateo. It may not work out, but Barreto may not either. So
0: I agree. I uh, I would definitely trade Barreto first. Uh, Okay. Well, what about the rest of the guys outside the top 100 before we close this out? Do you have anybody else you want to talk about that is interesting to you? I was actually looking at
1: their list. Uh not not a whole lot below that, really. No. Um, I've got one share of Austin Beck. He was he was dropped in uh RM three and I was just surprised that he was dropped. He hasn't had the greatest season, but still think he's a pretty good prospect. Um no, there's not a whole lot below that. Really. Sheldon God. uh Sheldon Noose has been really good this year and I think it's I think he's at triple a but again that's another one where it's it's like is this just because it's the PCL you know it's so hard to say it's so hard to say I mean I can't you can't just automatically discount everybody that is hitting there but you just have to it's like a wait and see thing. I mean, of course it's better to crush than not to crush. I mean, I always say that too. It's like, well, if they're not hit seeing somebody hit, you know, that it's, it's a good thing, but you just also have to just keep in mind all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. I want, I wonder about that with him, but the rest of their guys, it's just organizational depth. Really? Yep. I agree.
0: All right, well, that closes out this episode, part one of the AL West Andrew. And I thought I'd close out just talking about it. I got to go see a Chattanooga Lookouts game. I mentioned that before while I was down in Tennessee. That was pretty fun because I got to see Jazz Chisholm play for the Diamondbacks along with Dalton Varshow and, oh, let's see, Pavin Smith, who was the first round pick for them a couple of years back. And he's got a real cool famous video that from a few years ago where he videoed him buying his house, buying a house the paying off his parents' mortgage a few years ago. If you've not seen that, that's a pretty nice video. But unfortunately, really it hasn't clicked for him yet in the bigs. But I got a signed ball by Jazz Chisholm. That was pretty neat. They delayed the game to start and I saw Jazz over there hanging out and I ran down and got a ball. So then he signed it for me. That was neat. And then the Chattanooga Lookouts, the Reds double-A organization, I got to see them too. and saw Taylor Trammell, and he is a nuisance on the base paths. My God, watching him, I was, he, he's an exciting player. I got to say, I was realizing just how exciting he is by watching him on the paths, and he's good at taking walks. He's going to be a fun one over the next few years to see if he can get that hit tool up there he could be a star.
1: Yeah, that's that was. Uh, I was jealous that day when you were when you were showed the uh, signed ball by Jazz. Anybody listening, I don't know if you're familiar, but I love Jazz Chisholm. I've always uh, kind of been a fan, so
0: that's yeah. pretty
1: awesome. I, I was happy for you.
0: I and yeah, to- I was uh, tremel Tram- too. He had to be fun to see. Oh. It was fun. And my oh, my last story before we get out of here was jose siri i owned siri in Rotomasters 2 a few years ago and i think he went had like 23 home runs and 45 or 46 stolen bases that year and single low a or something and they were saying that you know the hit tool may not be there that's the thing that check and see and he didn't have a good year last year i ended up throwing him back because of that and this year i i've the the theme i've heard about him this year is he's just a hothead and I was sitting there talking to the guys, some of my coworkers who went to the game with me. And I was saying, you know, the thing I hear about this Jose Siri guy is he's a real knucklehead. Gets real mad real easy. 30 seconds later, the guy strikes out and is walking back to the dugout. And he takes his bat and beats it into the ground and snaps it in half. <laughs> it couldn't have been timed any more perfect right after I had just said that. I just busted up laughing. <laughs> They probably so, were
1: like they probably were like, Oh, this guy knows what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> yep, you, I, think,
1: I mean, you know, if you're if you're telling somebody who has no clue who those guys are <laughs> that and then they walk off and do that, I and mean, they're probably like, Wow, Justin, that's pretty awesome.
0: Apparently he does know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately the last two minutes of Andrew and I closing this show out was cut off. So I'm here solo closing us out right now we'll be back in a few days and we'll finish up the second half of that al west until then take care everybody thanks again for listening to the baseball 365 podcast with justin hughes and andrew mcquiston be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to facebook and twitter if you have a question a comment or a suggestion We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, write us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.